Hello, welcome to the Mind, Heart, and Hands podcast. My name is Riona Ntongo Semakula, and I'm excited for you to join me today on this podcast. In the past um, few weeks, I have had a series of articles um, that I have written on the Mind, Heart, Hands podcast, which I titled Fractured Identity broken people and the God who heals us. And my hope, my desire in writing these articles was just to get our minds thinking, to stir up our minds about why are things the way they are? Why is there so much brokenness in homes, in families? And has God uh, done something about this? Does he know about what's going on in families? Um, and what has he done about it? So my hope in writing this series of articles was first to try and provide uh, from the from a biblical perspective why I think thing I think things are as they are in our homes and in our families, and also to give a perspective on how I think God has made a way for us to go back to him to find hope even where there's brokenness and healing and how this hope that he has given to us is an eternal hope that will last far into eternity which means that there will come a day where brokenness and um all the things that we see the brokenness that we see in families and in homes will be gone forever so i believe very strongly that in part in God's design, part of his desire was that through the family, he would be known that people would love him, would know him, would worship him and make him known. So, um, yeah, so these, um, these, these series of articles, I mean, I've turned them into a podcast because I know that some of you might find it easier to listen to a podcast and maybe to read an article and I would encourage you if you find this encouraging to share this with your friends and to tell them about the Mind Hand, Hats and Hands podcast um, or even blog so that they can continue to find resources to encourage them in their walk with Christ. Um, this article that I am going to read to you today on the podcast is part three in a series of four articles so you can find part one and part two um still in the podcast if you go to your podcast app and look through so you can start with part one go to part two and then three and then four the dawning of forever hope in part one and two a picture was painted with broad strokes of the value that god has placed on the family and how our identity can be deeply influenced by the family we belong to. In part three, I hope to show that the brokenness in our families has a deep root. That root has been severed permanently. Praise the Lord. It has been severed permanently through an act of God causing hope to dawn like the bright sun for everyone who turns to him. The idea of family, which starts with marriage, originated in God, 
who in his infinite wisdom decided that this was how his prized creation would, li would live in the world he had made for them. With the rebellion of man in Genesis 3, sin came into God's perfect world and it affected everything, everything including the home. It's not that there is absolutely no good or beauty to be found anywhere, but rather that all things have been tainted by this sin. Cain, Adam and Eve's son, murdered his brother Abel because of envy. Lot's daughters, for fear of extinction, defiled their own father. Jacob deceives his father with the help of Rebekah, his mother, and steals his brother's blessing. Esau, Jacob's brother, despises his inheritance, giving up his birthright for a bowl of soup. Laban deceives Jacob, the schemer, throwing him into a loveless marriage whose consequences last for many, many years. Jacob's wives, Rachel and Leah, are neck to neck trying to outdo one another in bearing children. Their identity is in having children. And so they're at each other's necks, fighting each other constantly to see who will bear the most children, to show that maybe they're blessed or they're worthy. One of the most interesting things I have read in the Bible is when Rachel offers Leah, their husband Jacob, for one night in exchange for some mandrakes from her son. Seriously, Joseph's blood brothers sell him off to strangers and deceive their old father that he is dead. They don't tell him that he has been taken or that they didn't, don't see him. They tell their father that his beloved son is dead. Can you begin to think about the cruelty of an act like that? The amount of favoritism, hatred, secrecy, envy, in, in this patriarch's family is shocking. Judah's daughter-in-law, Tama, conceives a son for him through deception. She disguises herself as a prostitute and sits on the road in a place where Judah often passes. Judah, thinking that Tama is a prostitute, goes into her, um, gets intimate with her. She gets pregnant and gives birth to a child, a son for Judah. And it's only later that he realizes that this was my own daughter-in-law. My goodness, who are these people? Are they the image-bearing people God himself had made? Something is fractured in them for sure. It is clear that since Adam and Eve's encounter in Genesis 3, Something is broken. And as the action plays out in these families like a shocking film, you can't shake the feeling that maybe, just maybe, God's original vision for his people, his world, is lost. In fact, as you read these encounters, it may become apparent to you that this brokenness is very alive in our own society today. And it might even be alive in your own home.
A quick perusal through our newspaper headlines or Facebook feeds will reveal a myriad of situations within our society that will make you cringe. Children being defiled by their parents or caretakers. Fathers abandoning children and mothers to find um, pleasure in those who are, with whom they have not been co covenanted. And yet, in the midst of this chaos, God was doing something magnificent. He was setting the stage for a glorious event, one with ultimate significance. Someone was coming. And because of this person, nothing would remain the same. In fact, once this person came into the world, it would become apparent that everything else was merely a signpost leading to him. Through an interesting lineage, of which many of the people we mentioned above were part, spanning thousands of years, a child was born to a carpenter, Joseph, and his young bride, Mary, in a little town called Bethlehem. By instruction of a messenger from God, they named this child Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, the messenger said. As in Matthew chapter 12, verse 20, chapter 1, verse 21. Remember that sin that wrecked havoc in a perfect, beautiful world? At just the right time, God had launched his promised counterattack. And because he is God, there would be no chance for it to fail. Jesus his own son dealt a permanent blow to sin by his death on the cross and by his resurrection reigns victoriously at the right hand of the Father forever. He has given the blessed Holy Spirit to dwell in believers, teaching them, teaching them all that pertains to God affirming that they are God's children and as the deposit and the guarantee of their inheritance. So God has given to those who believe in Jesus, in his work, those who trust in his work at the cross, in his life, in his resurrection, those who trust that he is seated at his right hand, he has deposited the Holy Spirit in them, okay? And that Holy Spirit is a guarantor you know, he is, he's a guarantor. You know, when you go to a shop and maybe you're going to buy a very expensive electronic gadget, the last thing that you want is someone to take your, say, 3 million shillings for a washing machine and then say, you know what, now it's up to you. You are comforted when they say, you know what, I have a guarantee. They give you a guarantee form. And say that that washing machine should be able to last you 10 or 15 years. If it breaks down any time before that, then something is wrong. And that's just what Christ, that's just what, that's just what God has done for us in Christ. He has deposited his Holy Spirit in us that we may know that whatever he has promised to those who trust in him will come to pass at just the right time. 
at just the right time, just as he, at the right time, gave to us Jesus to crush the head of the serpent, to take away that curse that came to us in Genesis 3. He will, at the right time, bring all his promises to the people of God to pass. Oh, the generosity of God. This has meant so many things, but for our purpose here, it has meant that for those who turn by faith to Jesus Christ, trusting in his words and his work, there is an opportunity to experience, to an extent, the, bl the bliss of that paradise that was lost. That original idea of family that we talked about, remember that? Of the home where God is worshipped and enjoyed all of a sudden because of Jesus becomes a possibility. A possibility which when pursued with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, with humility, is bound to bring about the shalom. All right. I almost say the smile of God, you know, because that's what the shalom of God is. We experience the goodness of God in all that we do. Anyway, the shalom of God upon a people and the communities they belong to. That impact will that 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 seed of Christ in us has a ripple effect. As Christians in a country whose foundations seem to be crumbling by the day, where many of us are confused about who we are, why we are here, we must consider what a return to God and his design. On the basis of our oneness with Christ, we, we must start to think, okay, because I am one with this Christ, the triumphant king, who is going to come one day, and rule unhindered over the entire world because of my oneness with him. What can a return to God look like? And like many ordinary men and women before us, we should take the leap and act. As we start to pray, as we start to think and wonder, what does my oneness with Christ mean for me as a mom? What does my oneness with Christ mean for me as a woman who is working in this environment where corruption, where um, greed, where immorality is thriving? What does that mean for one who has been made righteous because of the blood of Christ? What does it mean for me? And once we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, through conversations with fellow Christians, as we are convicted, may we take action. May we take the leap and act. Glorious things have been known to happen in the past when people turn intentionally to God, when we repent and rejoice. Who knows what may come of it? Thank <laughs> you.